From technology and acquisition to citizen services and mission execution, a culture shift is underway with federal government leaders increasingly seeking out solutions that disrupt the way business has traditionally been done. Here we connect with those government and industry leaders driving this change and delivering the real results in support of their agency mission. This is Keeping IT Brief. I'm being joined today by Dr. Greg Pappas, the Associate Director of the Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research for National Surveillance. Thank you for joining me today, Doctor. Okay, so let's dive right in. Can you discuss the importance of lab data interoperability and how the FDA Shield Workgroup's approach is different from other interoperability approaches? Great. I guess I want to start by putting this in the context of the pandemic that we're all still struggling with. An article came out last summer in the New England Journal. It was a perspective piece by Dr. Eric Schneider titled, The Failed Test, The Tragic the tragic data gap undermining U.S.'s pandemic response. And that pretty much says it all. We are stumbling along partially because we don't have good data to answer many the many, many questions that have faced us in, first of all, understanding the nature of this new virus. So the outgoing uh, CDC director, Robert Redfield, said not so long ago, in the fall, I think it was, that the virus is just introducing itself to us. So we don't, we really know very little about this. So having data is critical. And the other piece of it, I think that's important as a preliminary comment is that waiting for traditional studies, you know, large scale, you know, uh, studies that have to be funded and awarded and, you know, a clinical trials, this kind of stuff, these things, I mean, these are great. I mean, I'm not criticizing, but they take a long time. They take a lot of money and, we are living in an era where we're being flooded with data, what uh, the FDA calls real-world data, real-world evidence, uh, data that's collected as part of routine clinical care. And the task is to be able to capture that information to answer many of our questions as we go for forward. And I'd like to say that lab data, which is, of course, what SHIELD focuses on, uh, in particular, uh, in vitro diagnostic data is kind of low-hanging fruit if, if you look at it within the co broader context of uh, of health information collected as part of routine clinical care. A lot of it's messy uh, for a lot of complicated reasons. Uh, the informaticists give us the uh, uh, the language of uh, semantic interoperability, syntactic interoperability, and organizational interoperability, uh, and uh, all those things are very much to, at play in 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 health information. But lab data, first of all, it's been digitalized for 30, 40 years. I mean, all hospitals had labs available on computers to doctors and nurses and medical students, in this case, a, a long time ago, when I first saw it in the hospital I was doing an internship in. And uh, there are standards that can render these tests. I mean, we've got well-elaborated standards. And indeed, uh, then the CLIA labs also promote quality of the data that's being collected across the nation. So this is, you know, really very high quality data, but the final mile is the problem. We've got it digitized. We've got the underlying parameter uh, in good shape. Uh, we've got standards for coding, but the standards are used idiosyncratically. Labs across the nation, it's, it's, it's if we're all speaking la uh, uh, the same language, English, but there's not a dictionary. So people end up using the words differently. So labs across the United States use the, the terms differently. And so when it gets to the coding, 
of the labs. It's done idiosyncratically. And then you can't aggregate it. You, another lab or someone looking across the way or someone trying to bring the lab data together to answer some kind of important question, like even something as simple as how many diagnoses, how many people had positive tests for COVID uh, becomes very problematic because of this inter problem in interoperability, in this case, semantic interoperability. So the SHIELD was formed around this issue. And before I launch into SHIELD too much, I just want to say a, a at a personal note that this was a, the effort of a very fine scientist, Dr. Mike Waters, really proposed this chat we're having today as a memorial to him. Uh, we lost Mike during the, con uh, during the pandemic. He died of suicide in September. It was a classic case of overwork, he, sleep deprivation. And Mike was a scientist totally driven to address this tragic data gap that's undermining the U.S. pandemic that I, I cited uh, Dr. Schneiderman's uh, a perspective piece in the New England Journal this summer. So SHIELD works in an important way, different from a lot of standards efforts, which are tend to, tend to be a little bit siloed. We've got uh, standards out there that they tend to be, by themselves, they can't do all the work. They tend to compete. They tend to overlap. And we need to come up with a dictionary, a way of deciding how we're going to render the test the same every time uh, it's coded across the nation. And SHIELD is a private partnership that Mike uh, founded to meet that end. And it works in really pretty much bottom up by putting together all the stakeholders, the, the data producers, and that's at many levels, the, the manufacturers, the labs, the doctors, uh, the EHRs, and then the data users. And there's an equally long list of of data users for this. The, the, the uh, companies use the data, academics use the data, the government uses the data, hospital uses the data. There's a lot of uses of this data. Uh, and a part of what's the, the uh, magic of the real world evidence era is the mantra, use, collect once, use many times. That's how we get value out of real world evidence because you collect it and you use it many times. But if the data is not of high quality, you're not gonna use it at all. So. Uh, again, taking us back to this need for interoperability. So SHIELD works together to come up with an agreement so all the, the major stakeholders agree on how we're going to code it, and then we communicate that. So it's a bottom-up and then top-down approach. This is all very important, Dr. Pappas. Now, in early June, HHS announced new laboratory data reporting guidance for COVID-19, citing LIVID as the authoritative source of coding for COVID-19 testing. As the number of daily COVID-19 tests continue to go up in the United States, how has the LIVID catalog improved public health reporting for COVID-19 test results? Great. Thanks, Mary. Uh, that's a great question uh, because that is exactly the top-down approach that uh, SHIELD was waiting for. We had worked out the bottom-up uh, approach, getting everybody to agree on the on the standards, the question was who was going to say this was the dictionary? Who was going to say that this was the agreed upon way in which these were going to be done? That was the Cures Act that done was the initial federal government response to the pandemic, included a provision asking the secretary to sort out this uh, reporting problem, this interoperability problem. And secretary did so by requesting uh, that the livid file become the authoritative source. And the livid file is really the product of uh, one of the, the SHIELD work group that does this work and ultimately says, you know, how are we going to code this? How are we going to say uh, what question was he being asked? What answers was being provided? On what test? How is this test conducted? Like a unique device identifier, unique test identifier. So that is where we were 
early summer. And currently we are in the process of doing two things. First of all, keeping up with the new tests. The tests have continued to come out uh, under uh, the EUAs, the uh, emergency use authorization. And then they become available to uh, you know clinical settings to use them. And then uh, we have to have the codes ready for that test too. So that's one piece of the thing. The other thing, and this is the big, the really daunting effort, is that this coding is available on a website by the CDC. It's easy to get to, but we don't have any good tools to help to, to implement it automatically. We don't have a lot of, of tech support to help the hospitals. So hospitals across and labs across the United States are struggling with this implementation. And this is where uh, we have needs. I think we really need a carrot and a stick effort. In the last fall, there were some efforts to say that uh, Medicare wouldn't give you your money unless you use the livid file. That wasn't really, that didn't work out very well. So looking to for exploration of how we might create carrots and sticks and help lab. This is not an insignificant thing, a trivial thing to ask labs to, to, to do this. It's to everyone's benefit, but still someone's got to do that work and we have to recognize that. Well, thank you, doctor. Is there anything else you would like to call out for our audience members today? Sure. I'd like to say that SHIELD is a, uh, pretty much it's an open community. If there are listeners that would like to explore or see the potential of working with SHIELD, I encourage you to come to meetings. Uh, You can go online, uh, you can look for SHIELD. Uh, There are a couple couple places where you can uh, connect with SHIELD and uh, get an invitation and come and work with us. I'd also uh, like to direct your uh, listeners, uh, tell them to keep an eye out on an article. We're working on a peer-reviewed article that's gonna tell the SHIELD story that should be appearing uh, in the next couple of months. Thank you for listening. For more podcasts by G2 Exchange Media, please visit www.vethealthit.com and look for the podcast section at the top of the page. Music by Jam Studio, courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated.